My name is Sean Thomas, and I'm the author of Be More Today, a 40-day guide to a better version of you. As doctor of physical therapy, I've seen thousands of people do great things. They came to me with ailments, physical ailments, pain, issues, and they got through them, all because they decided in their mind they were going to do it. So I wrote a book about it. Your thoughts can make you great, or they can make you crumble. Those thoughts actually control everything in your life. I have three things I want you to do. Starts. Things I want you to start doing in your life that you said you wanted to do at some point in time. You said them. Stops. Things I want you to stop doing in your life, which I know you also want to stop. And three goals for your lives. And I take you through a 40-day guide to make sure you take those thoughts for those three things into reality. Now, I put some workouts in there too. Workouts to keep you always on the move because you got to keep moving. you got to stay focused. So, 40 days. Thoughts, workouts, you. And all I want you to do is trust the process and just be persistent. Visit BeMoreTodayBook.com. That's right, BeMoreTodayBook.com. And I guarantee you, if you just trust the process and be persistent, you too can be the best version of you. What's going on, folks? It's your boy again, Dr. Sean Thomas, back in the building. Be More Today Show, episode number 92. We are back, we are back, we are back in the building. And folks, it is springtime. You already know we are in the season of spring, the best time of the year, I think. Um, but a great time for us to be alive and for us to continue to keep the Be More Today Show going. As you all know, the Be More Today Show is cruising, continuing to grow every single week. Right now, we're heard in 56 countries over 17,000 downloads. So thank you so much for your love and support. It does not go unnoticed, I promise you. It's been a labor of love, but so much fun connecting with so many people who are doing extraordinary things around the world in the world of health and fitness. So as you already know, BeMoreStay.com has my book. Um, our swag store open for all your swag stuff for the springtime season. And the podcast, again, you can always click on there and, and continue to follow the progression of the more today's show as we continue to move and groove through this life. Our quote for today is simple as always. It is given to us by Judge Katani Brown Jackson. And she said simply, I would tell them to persevere, period. This is a time where we are recognizing that there are wars happening around the world. Um, there are physical challenges happening. COVID-19 is calming down, but still kind of here. We as people are continuing just to be able to persevere. And I just want to encourage everyone listening today that no matter what the problems may be, the challenges in terms of your health and wellness, in terms of your physical um, issues, or even in terms of your personal things, right? We are uh, focused and dedicated to make sure that we can persevere. Uh, we're going to hit challenges. We're going to hit roadblocks in life. We're going to see things that are going to uh, knock us off of our regular path. But I do think the whole point of the more Today show is to encourage people just to keep pushing. And that every day is a blessing, every day is a gift. No matter what's happening around us, no matter the challenges that we face every single day, we're still here. And we're able to actually wake up and, and appreciate this life that we have because we only get one chance to get it right. So uh, I, I charge you to go out there and to make today special, to make today more, and to persevere through, ever, through whatever you're going through, whether it's personal stuff or physical stuff, whatever it is, just to keep pushing. And I brought someone on the show today who sees people persevere every single day in, in various ways. Uh, he's a great friend of mine, 
um, an old uh, school friend of mine from Uraino, Brown University, Bruno, you know, I always call it the best school in the world, clearly. Um, but he is my good friend, Dr. Stanley Voigt. Now, Dr. Stanley Voigt is a graduate of Brown University, Bruno, you know, and Brown University Medical School. He then went on to complete a residency in otolaryngology at Tufts Medical Center in Boston. Dr. Voigt joined associates in otolaryngology in Alexandria, Virginia in the summer of 2015. And his wife, Elizabeth, is a veterinary surgeon and they have three young girls. He specializes in healthcare problems affecting the ears, nose, and throat, and sinuses for both adults and children. Dr. Boyd also has a special interest in sinus disorders and laryngology. Now, Dr. Boyd was included in the Washington Top Doctor Class of 2020 and the Northern Virginia Magazine Top Doctor Class of 2022. In his spare time, he enjoys dancing, watching basketball, and spending time with his family. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Pets included. Please welcome to the stage my guy and the man with the master plan, Dr. Stanley Voigt. Dr. Voigt, what's going on? Not much, not much. Thank you for inviting me. Listen, I, I had to have you on the show. You already know you're uh, one of my good friends from school, and I've had the the blessing, really, of watching your progression. Um, I was two years older than you at Brown University, but I uh, through your friend and your boy, your brother, Cliff, clearly, who is a great friend of mine, um, got a chance to really know you on a personal level. And from watching you dance salsa and mezcla to you know, doing so many other things in your life, you really just um, become a really a beacon of light, uh, not just where you are in your in your neighborhood now, but just in, in general. I've really just seen the progression of you and your family and you being a father and you just being a prominent black man in various communities. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you're doing. I'm proud That's of your true. growth and your progression. And I just love seeing the things that you're doing. Wherever you go, you can just continue to, to bring out things, whether you're in Virginia or D.C., you're just bringing out education to others and just helping your community. So I had to have you on the show this week to make sure that everyone knows how great you are and for you to bring some light to the ENT world for us. So thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for inviting me, Sean. I appreciate it. You know, it goes both ways. You know, going to Brown, you were a mentor to both me and Cliff. And this is the least I can do just because, you know, you have been spreading such positive energy, just like you did at Brown. Um, you know, Sean was definitely a, a, a big, big mentor. I just remember coming to campus and just seeing the way you carried yourself and wanting to model myself, you know, and Cliff the same way. So, uh, you know, we continue to keep in touch. And, you know, I jumped on this opportunity to, you know, to support, uh, you know, Be More Today because it's, it's such a great cause. And uh, like I said, I appreciate what you do. Awesome. Thanks. That. Let's get into it. Listen, we've had a number of MDs on the show um, talk about their specialties. And as a physical therapist, I deal with a lot of various issues. But when it comes to ENT issues, um, I don't know a lot. I'm not going to lie to you, besides the regular cardiopulmonary issues that may be associated with it. So I'm curious for you, what sparked your interest in ear, nose, and throat disorders? I mean, it's, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, going into medical school, for me, I was kind of geared towards, I knew I, I liked to work with my hands. So I was geared towards general surgery. Um, I had done general surgery research and, you know, I did the general surgery rotation and it was almost a done deal by my third year. Uh, I had a friend who told me, he said, well, you liked head and neck anatomy. Uh, you should try a two-week rotation. At Brown, we had Tufts residents, uh, ENT residents who would rotate down. 
uh, and, uh, you know, kind of introduce us to ENT. And so I tried the two week rotation and it just a combination of, you know, head and neck surgery, uh, allergy, uh, things that I just, you know, you wouldn't think, uh, just in general surgery, we didn't have that kind of exposure and the rest was history. I said, whatever it takes to get into ENT, uh, you know, that's what I was going to do. And so, you know, I did away rotations. I really, I was kind of on the last minute side, but, you know, I was so passionate about it and rightfully so, because, you know, I, I haven't looked back since, and I'm, I'm glad I made the decision that I did. Great. That's great. Again, I'm just proud of you and excited for the work that you're doing. And as someone who also suffers from seasonal allergies, um, I have a question about masks. Now, I know masks are like a big thing, and they've been the big thing for the last two years about should we wear them? Are they helpful against COVID-19, etc. But in terms of protecting us or protecting me from seasonal allergies, I found that wearing masks was helpful for me because I was not exposed to all of the pollens that were that were in the in the atmosphere. But now that masks are being taken off, um, are there any tips that you can share as we are in the springtime season, right? And we're going through uh, uh, the blooms that are happening in various places. What are some tips you can share with those who are suffering from seasonal allergies as masks are coming off and we're getting more into the open air environment uh, at this time? So, you know, it's an interesting point that you bring up, you know, masks have been good. I mean, if you think about from an infection standpoint, uh, from an ENT standpoint, it's always tough for us because we're conflicted. You know, the masks were great, you know, to prevent infection, but at the same time, you know, when you think about kids and uh, even adults, you know, we get exposed to pathogens all the time, and that helps the body kind of get used to them. And so when you're wearing masks, sometimes you're kind of delaying your body's ability to process those, you know, whether it be viruses or, you know, pathogens that you, you get exposed to. So I find now, I mean, we had a period where we weren't seeing as many people who were sick uh, in the past two years. And now all of a sudden there's, there's an uptick because some of these kids just haven't been exposed to it. Same thing applies with allergies, you know, allergies, you know, the more you get exposed to allergens over time, your body does get desensitized to it. And, you know, they say this is a, a bad spring allergy season. Part of it, yes, it's because of the masks, because the masks were kind of blocking your exposure. What's interesting is you, we usually start with antihistamines, you know, something like a Zyrtec or a Zizol, something that's not sedating to try to block the antihistamine, you know, block that histamine response. Um, we also will sometimes add Flonase to help kind of temper that the you know, allergic response. Now, the next step is usually I'll have patients get allergy tested to find out what they're allergic to. But sometimes when they're very, very severe, we end up going the route of allergy immunotherapy, which kind of goes back to my original point, what we're doing with allergy immunotherapy, whether it's shots or drops is giving you what you're allergic to in very, very small doses and kind of desensitizing you over time. Now with masks, it's, it's the opposite. You're, you're, you're using what we call avoidance, which is good if you have one particular allergen. Uh, I think a good example, you know, for me is, is, you know, I have a minor, minor allergy to, to, to grasses. So when I'm mowing the lawn in the beginning of the spring, I'll notice a little, you know, some symptoms, but by the end of summer, I no longer react to it. So I kind of slowly desensitize myself. Another option is that people wear masks while they're uh, mowing the lawn. It's better for those who have severe allergies because uh, you don't want to take the risk of, you know, even just a little bit of an exposure. 
Now that being said, so, so, you know, just my approach is typically, you know, avoidance first, if you can, and if avoidance works, then the medications that I had mentioned, um, you know, can kind of keep you tempered. Now, if none of these, these, uh, options work, that's when you should consider getting allergy tested. Uh, you know, I'm also as an ENT, I'm also board certified in allergy. So we do a lot of allergy testing for those who really just can't get their allergies under control. Uh, I think it's important to know because sometimes you think you have one type of allergy and you re realize it's multiple allergens. And so you just have been focusing your efforts on one, whether it be dust um, or grasses or trees, and it's, it's a combination. And so based on that, we can come up with, you know, as ENTs uh, or allergists, uh, an, an idea of, you know, how to approach that, whether it be immunotherapy, medicine, or a combination of the two. That's interesting. Yeah, and I've, I've actually benefited from Fizertech and Flonase uh, pathways. Um, very, very helpful, clearly. And I, I, I appreciate your, your take on, on the masks. Um, I'm, I'm curious now, we talked about seasonal allergies and how that is affected by masks. But as an ENT specialist, you guys have played such an intense role and an integral role in terms of um, the pandemic and, and, and wearing masks in schools or not in schools, outdoors, indoors, restaurants, etc., um, and showing and in, in, in researching how those masks have affected our, our pathways for breathing. Um, but now as states are um, relaxing their mandates, and although it's, it's somewhat truncated in terms of uh, states, some states doing it and some states not doing it, um, most are going towards the realm or, or the, the pathway of, of taking masks out of, of regular rotation. Um, what, what's your take, uh, whether personally or as a professional uh, in this realm about um, us wearing masks at this point in the pandemic or at the end of the pandemic uh, or continuing to wear them um, regardless. I know a lot of gyms have stopped, but a lot of healthcare uh, facilities such as mine and other hospitals are continuing to do so. Um, restaurants have stopped, but other businesses have continued. So it's somewhat conflicting, but I do understand clearly um, the plus and minuses for both based on what you just talked about and based on what's happening in our, in our community. So what's your take on that? So it, it, it is very, very tough. I'll tell you right now, we follow the science. And I think that that's, that's very important. You know, you know, Dr. Fauci obviously has gotten a lot of press uh, throughout this process. And, you know, I think, I think what's important is knowing kind of where the levels are. You know, uh, if you live in an area where, you know, there is, there are increasing counts and, you know, just like back in November and December, where almost, you know, all you know, counties and all states in the U.S. were starting to battle with Omicron. That's definitely a time where the masks should be out. Uh, what I like now is we're kind of moving to a phase where when the, the numbers are lower uh, and we seem to have it under control, then we put the masks to the side, but we don't put them away. I think that message is, needs to be harped is that, you know, sometimes when you take the masks off and then you end up bringing them back, People are bitter because they they feel like oh you you took some you, you're taking something away that you had just given me and um, I think Dr. Fauci has really been trying to harp on that how important it is to put them off to the side but remember if the numbers go back up we have to bring those masks back because it's not only about you it's about your neighbor as well and when the numbers get very very high us as medical professionals especially me in in the hospital setting as an ENT. 
um, I see it. I see what happens and how overwhelmed the hospitals can get when the numbers are very, very high uh, and it affects multiple systems. And so I think sometimes it's hard when you're not seeing that and you're just seeing kind of you know, what's happening in your community, but you don't see what happens in the hospital setting. So I think when like now where, you know, the hospitals are not overwhelmed, there's not too many COVID patients in the hospitals, this is a good time to, you know, keep the, the mass off to the side because there are benefits. I mean, you know, you talk about children and younger children, um, you know, having the masks on and not really being able to, you know, read facial expressions and things like that. Um, I think that it definitely does do a disservice to them. We just have to be cautious in terms of how we approach it. Um, you know, I am totally all about following the science and, you know, I'm definitely not an expert into when is an appropriate time to take away the masks and when to bring them back. But like I said, Dr. Fauci, I, I follow him closely. And I think that, you know, us as a medical community, um, you know, we hold him in high regard. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I think a lot of people get caught up, like you said, that feeling of taking things away. And, um, you know, I, I, I sometimes feel like a bouncer at my at my clinic when I'm, I'm constantly reminding people, hey, yeah, put your mask up. Yeah, bring your mask. And people, you know, especially in New York City, as soon as that mandate was dropped, people were like, oh, we're good. And people were walking around without masks on, which is fine. But, you know, places that are still requiring masks, for them to come in and, and they don't come in, oh, I forgot, it, I don't have it. They, they just stopped. I mean, we, we went from a place where everybody had a mask in their cars, in their pockets, in their bags to I can't find a mask at all. And um, I do think, like, like you said, having that mask close by and just remembering that we have to continue to watch the trends is the best way to really look at it. I think a lot of people do feel like you said that we're taking things away from them and that they don't see any growth in that. But like you said, we have to trust the science and just see how the, the rates are going and the trends are going because that's when we decide what is best for us. The same way we do with anything else that's happening. You know, when it's going to rain, you bring a raincoat, right? When it's not going to yeah. rain, you may pack it, but you're not going to wear that coat. So it's the yeah. same concept as that. And I, I think if people continue, like you said, to look at it from that perspective, it won't seem like it's so binding for them or, or restricting for them to have to wear these things every now and then. We do it based on what's happening around us. So I exactly, that. exactly. I think it, you know, it's become so polarizing. And that's the one thing I'm hoping going forward, it, it doesn't have to be a polarizing thing to wear a mask or to get a to get a vaccine. We're all just trying to do the best for each other. Um, and like you mentioned, you know, in the in the healthcare setting, I still have to wear a mask. You know, you're you're wearing a mask as well. But I think it's tough for those who are not wearing masks anywhere else. And then they come to our setting and it's like, oh, why am I wearing a mask? And it's because, you know, if people are sick, they're coming to us. So there's a chance that you might have, you know, COVID patients and whatnot in a medical facility. So um, we can't take the chances yet until we really, really have um, this under control. And, uh, you know, it's all stepwise. The hope is that, um, you know, in the next year or next two years that, that we'll really have this thing under control. Exactly. Exactly. Doc, a lot of people are talking about this concept of a COVID brain. I know it's a, a real thing. And some are talking about the lasting effects of COVID-19 on the body. Uh, based on your studies, your research, your expertise, do you see any long-term effects of COVID-19 on our nasal pathways? And if so, what could be some of those things? Yeah, so, you know, it, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, COVID brain, this, that same kind of, you know, attack on our neural pathways affect sense of smell. 
Um, and that's been, you know, it's something that I used to see maybe, you know, once every couple of months, whether it be from trauma, um, someone would have a cold and they would lose their sense of smell. Now there's been a huge uptick in those who, who have what we call, you know, anosmia, or, you know, they might have an altered sense of smell um, after COVID-19. And, you know, I, you look at the statistics and they, and it, these are all kind of dynamic because we're learning as we go. And, you know, whether it be Delta or Omicron, they have different rates of uh, uh, you know, affecting the sense of smell. Um, but one of the latest statistics that I looked at showed about 12% uh, of patients who have uh, COVID and lose their sense of smell, it, it, it persists long-term. Now, what does that mean? I mean, we're not even at the three-year point. We don't know if that 12% will continue to have the altered sense of smell or complete loss of sense of smell. Um, but it, it has definitely been something as ENTs that we've been trying to work on um, because, you know, it is a complex issue. It's not something, you know, we do have steroids that we typically will give a patient to try to calm down inflammation. Um, but we find that it's not usually successful because we don't get the, to them early enough. You know, when you're dealing with COVID, you're in quarantine and you've got other things that you're worrying about. So by the time they usually come to a professional like me, it, they're a couple months out. And that's kind of outside of the window where steroids are most effective. And so uh, typically what will happen is I will send them to, um, you know, I usually will gauge them or send them to a website that will direct them to a smell center to try to do olfactory training and retraining uh, to strengthen their sense of smell. And, and sometimes that works. Um, we're still coming up with data to find out what the long-term implications of it will be. Um, but it definitely is a hot topic in ENT is, is now, you know, loss of sense of smell and, uh, you know, COVID based. And um, how is that different from colds in the past where you would lose your sense of smell is very, very rare. Now, with this high prevalence of loss of sense of smell, um, our approach might have to change in terms of long term management of it. That's a big deal. Now, we, we've talked a number of um, MDs about the lasting effects of various issues, whether it's COVID-19 or other things. But when it comes to ENT, I think it's special because ENT life is a whole separate thing, right? We talk about ear, nose, and throat, and there are various ways to maintain a healthy life for our ears, our nose, and our throat. I'm curious, Dr. Boyd, in terms of diet, exercise, sleeping, um, how do these things, either positively or negatively, how can they affect us having a healthier ear, nose, and throat system? So, you know, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, weight and wellness is a, is a, you know, shift that my office has kind of gone to, um, you know, I have a BMI chart that's right on the door, um, because of, uh, sleep apnea, sleep apnea, um, is something I deal with, whether it be surgically or through, uh, management using a device called a CPAP, um, at, at night. Um, but, you know, losing weight and, you know, being healthy sometimes alone can, you know, rid patients of sleep apnea, uh, and, you know, allows them to avoid surgery and allows them to avoid the, you know, we call it the dreaded CPAP, even though these are, are, you know, long-term life-saving measures, um, 
weight and wellness uh, is 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 key. And you know, a lot of times we see that people fall in, in you know in their thirties and forties. You have kids, you have stressors, and um, you fall into that trap, and it happens. And um, you know, we end up getting to a point where we need help. And my office has had realized, wait a second, we're doing surgeries, we're, we're, we're prescribing CPAP, but, you know, getting to the root of the cause, sometimes some, you know, you need someone who can motivate you and get you on that path. And it's harder for some uh, than others, but sometimes you just, you really need that coach or that, you know, that individual that can motivate you and get you back to uh, a, a place where you can now start working on your own independently and, and maintain it. You know, similar to what you've been doing, you know, with Be More Today, um, a lot of it is, you know, you lose that confidence and it's hard to get kind of back on track. And so, uh, you know, when it comes to sleep apnea, that's that's been uh, kind of a major, you know, emphasis and and kind of focus of our practice. We talk a little more about sleep apnea. I think a lot of people, um, even people that I know, have have um, been on the baseline or on, I guess, on the on the line between someone who's snoring has a snoring issue whether it's allergies or what have you or just in, you know improper um, alignment as they're sleeping and then someone who may be a candidate for the sleep apnea contingent um, how do you differentiate someone who may be a sleep apnea um, candidate or patient versus someone who um, just snores on their own and is there a difference between the two is there a way to differentiate you know one from the other what, what are your thoughts on that yeah, I mean, it, people ask me that all the time. You know, what's tough is they come to me for snoring and I have to determine, oh, could it be a septal deviation or more of a, like you said, allergy or nasal, uh, you know, component, or is there something going on in the throat? Now, if it's all nasal, you can mouth breathe. So you can bypass that and you don't have sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is when you can't get airflow at all through either the nasal and oral passageways. And it's usually at the throat level uh, at night. And when you collapse and you stop breathing for a period of 10 seconds and then have to kind of reset, that's what we call an apneic pause. So where you're pausing and breathing and depending on how many times that happens, you get a certain score. And so we can grade it in terms of mild, moderate and severe sleep apnea. And a sleep study is, is, is how we're able to determine that. Uh, sometimes I, I evaluate a patient, I look in their nose, and it's pretty obvious they have a septal deviation. I correct that surgically, and their snoring goes away. Those are the patients I don't necessarily have to take that extra step and get a sleep study on. Um, but for a lot of patients where I'm not sure, um, I, I take a look, and they potentially have big tonsils, you know, a redundant or, or longer soft palate, um, or, you know, just their clinical history is suspicious for sleep apnea. I do get a sleep study. And that's kind of where that decision making process of, you know, where do we go from there starts. And the gold standard is, is the CPAP. I usually don't jump to surgery. Um, a lot of times I will start with the CPAP um, with those patients and a, a, a discussion on weight loss, if that applies. Uh, and then after six months, if they feel like uh, the CPAP, uh, you know, it's hard for them to, to tolerate the CPAP, or they would like to discuss surgical options, that's kind of when, when they come to me and, and discuss that. Did you see an increase or a decrease in terms of number of, of 
patients that you were seeing when it comes to ENT issues, when people were doing more things outdoors versus indoors? Just curious. I know a number of people were doing like outdoor exercising and running, et cetera, during COVID because gyms were closed and whatnot. And um, people felt like things like running and outdoor activities were more feasible because you couldn't do things indoors. But I was curious if there was any kind of either decrease in the number of people you were seeing based on pathologies um, when people were doing more things outside or was there no real change in terms of um, the numbers you were seeing? So it, it depended, you know, I, I feel like there was a decrease because people weren't coming to the doctor's office during COVID, you know, when we were at the height of COVID, uh, you know, for fear of, you know, sometimes fear of infection, sometimes uh, they just, they felt like they wanted to prioritize things, say, you know, that, that they felt were more pressing. And now all of a sudden we are seeing that there's a huge uptick in patients who have been putting off whether it be like how I mentioned weight, weight gain uh, during the pandemic. And now all of a sudden it's leading to health implications such as sleep apnea. And so we're seeing an uptick in patients coming in for things like that. Now, you know, I do also deal with a lot of cancer patients and my hope, you know, throughout uh, COVID, we were trying to bring as many of those patients in as possible, but same thing, some of them did delay. And so we are seeing some patients who have a lot more pathology than they would have um, had they come in sooner. So, you know, it, it, it's been a difficult situation for all of us. I know at one point, you know, during COVID, we were, um, you know, partially shut down. We were seeing patients about two, one or two days uh, a week and really just trying to harp on those who had urgent issues. But it, it, it's really hard for a patient to know themselves what's urgent, what's not. Um, you know, we would say, you know, things like earwax, we would, we would try to put off, but uh, eventually sometimes if the earwax builds up, they can have ear infections or have other pathologies. So it was, it was very difficult, I think for, you know, us as in the outpatient medical community. Um, but also, you know, we, I deal with a lot of inpatient pathology as well. So, you know, you were seeing the struggles on both sides. Um, that being said, now we are, you know, we are definitely back to a, a level where I am seeing a lot of patients I hadn't seen in two or three years. And, you know, the majority, I think we're able to kind of push through, but occasionally you see those where, um, you know, the effects of COVID were there. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I, I fully answered your question, but, uh, but no, yeah, I definitely felt like um, this time period was altered because of COVID. Yeah, no, you definitely answered my question. We had the same thing. We saw a number of um, declines in terms of our numbers based on COVID, but we did see that, you know, whether people were coming or not, they were still coming back with issues and ailments and surgeries and, you know, people get hurt regardless, whether there's a pandemic or not. So I, I think that was just a, a constant for us. Um, I'm also a, a, a running coach for a local Brooklyn community. And we talk a lot about diaphragmatic breathing. Um, and I was curious if, you know, in, in terms of your study with um, ENT work for the last number of years, if you can just kind of, if you don't mind, just kind of give the listeners um, a general overview of what that even means, because breathing is something that, you know, we we do all the time. I think it's something that we sometimes forget to do when we get stressed out or we get busy, and then we kind of alter our breathing techniques as we are going throughout our workday, but there is a proper way in terms of how to breathe um, when it comes to breathing from your diaphragm, and, and I was curious if you wouldn't mind expounding on that a little bit. Uh, during this podcast for a second. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I honestly wouldn't be the expert on, you know, the, the proper mechanics of diaphragmatic breathing. I can tell you how it affects, 
you know, your voice, you know, we always, we have patients who will have, you know, strokes and things like that, and their breathing, breathing mechanism is altered. And that will then affect their airway and breathing passages. Um, because we always say the lungs are the motor, and that motor will allow the vocal cords to then alter, um, you know, our, our voicing, our, you know, crying, uh, you know, um, so the way that we are able to make sounds. And so, uh, as far as, you know, the proper way of, you know, breathing and, 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 and things like that, I wouldn't be the expert uh, and the one to talk to, but I can tell you that it does affect things uh, upstream. Um, and that's usually what I deal with is, uh, you know, I usually will work in conjunction with either pulmonary um, or sometimes rehab uh, to try to get them to breathe more efficiently and get more air so that they can vocalize better. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was talking about it just because, um, you know, we have a number of people who as a result of, of the pandemic have been doing more running outdoors. And we always talk about just ways to make sure that our diaphragm is actually moving properly and difference between chest breathing and belly breathing. Um, when it comes to us going out there and actually using our bodies to do certain activities, like exercise and running and what have you. Um, but I, I do think, like you said, it, a number of those things can become, uh, more beneficial if you're breathing properly from your diaphragm and in using that force, like you said, from those lungs to propel yourself forward. Um, I recognize that as we continue to wear masks, that people have kind of adjusted to their ability to breathe properly with these things on. And when we first started wearing masks, people said, oh, I can't do this. It's going to be too hard for me to wear this. How can I get through this? And then you recognize that, you know, people like you and other doctors and nurses and surgeons wear masks for hours at a time. I've been doing this for years on end. So, you know, I, I just want to remind everybody that it's not a new thing for us to be in this situation. Um, we're just now being exposed to something that a number of people have been doing for a long number of, of years, if not decades, wearing masks for work and for play and what have you. So um, it's something that I think that, like you said, we'll have to just get used to and be able to do either on and off as we as we see so fit. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's fascinating our ability, you know, to adapt. You know, I, I when I go to my clinic, you know, I make it a point, I go up the stairs. And so it's, it's, it's about four and a half flights of steps. And, you know, you add the mask to it, uh, that definitely adds a challenge. And then, you know, you add at one point, us being ENT, we're wearing N95 masks, you know, so I would start wearing the N95 and going up that, you know, those flights of steps. And in the beginning, it definitely, it's a challenge, you get up there, and you feel like you're not getting as much airflow. But then, you know, you get to a certain point, you know, and I think for me, it was, it was probably a week or so in, you forget that you were struggling initially wearing that mask. And I think that's what happens with us is that, you know, we weren't wearing N95s before the pandemic, but we were wearing regular masks and we were wearing them, you know, all day. I wear them, you know, when I'm operating and you don't think about it. And so I think that there is always an adjustment for anyone um, when you're wearing the mask. Even now, you know, I don't wear the N95 mask as much as I used to. So those days when I do have to wear the N95 mask, I, there's still there's that adjustment. Um, but you get used to it. And, you know, I think the, the greater message is, is for the greater good. You know, we're trying to, you know, help our neighbors and help ourselves. So uh, it's worth it. Yep. Back to perseverance. Mm -hmm. Like you said, absolutely. So... Dr. Boy, any final tips you want to share with listeners about anything related to uh, ENT life, ENT health and wellness or any tips you want to share that is related to anything you talk about today? 
No, no. I mean, I, I, you know, I think sleep apnea was one that, uh, you know, I, I wanted to harp on just because uh, like we talked about, not many people know about sleep apnea, not many people know that they have it. Um, but, you know, the long-term benefits of CPAP uh, therapy uh, are immeasurable. I mean, you know, we've noticed that patients uh, who have sleep apnea and, you know, it goes unchecked, they're at increased risk of heart disease, of stroke, uh, high blood pressure, things like that. So you're seeing ENT is now into sleep. Cardiology is into sleep. It used to be more pulmonary. Um, and you're, you're seeing many, many specialties, you know, even oral surgery and dentistry, um, because we realize the benefits and the long-term health implications uh, of sleep apnea. So, you know, those who are listening and, you know, they, you know, have themselves or their significant other who they notice are snoring and snoring to the point of potentially stopping breathing. It's important that they come in and they get themselves checked. I think that's a, a you know, my one health plug that can really, really change someone's life. Absolutely. I appreciate you sharing that with me. And I think that those who are listening will take that to heart as well. I think that sleep apnea is definitely something that we should all be a little more cognizant of. And, um, you know, like Dr. Voigt said, just going out there and looking at the research, looking at these studies. Um, if you find that there's someone in your area, someone you know, or someone who's in your household that is showing any of those signs and symptoms, then like he said, please go out there and see someone about that ASAP. And Dr. Voigt, thank you so much for being on this show. I really appreciate your expertise and your knowledge. Me. Just so happy to, again, just have you as part of our Be More Today community. Uh, where can people look for you on social media or otherwise? So for me, I, you know, I'll, I'll be very honest. I, I haven't been as up to date on my social media. Uh, that is a push for this summer for, for me and, and, and my company. But, uh, you know, I, I do have a website, entdoctor.com. We try to make it uh, pretty simple and it's entdr.com. Um, and, uh, we also have a Facebook presence associates in otolaryngology. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I look at, at how, you know, successful you have been, uh, in terms of your social media presence. And, you know, that's something I look to aspire to. Um, but yeah, those, those are my two outlets and, uh, you know, definitely look me up. Uh, I just want to, you know, this is kind of a, a little bit of personal plug here is uh, happy birthday to my brother, Cliff. Uh, it's April 5th, so uh, I'll be talking to you later. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Dr. Boyd, happy birthday to him. Uh, Aries all day, we already know. And uh, yeah, just again, just happy to have you on the show today. And, you know, I, I kind of want to just give a, a, a closing plug. Um, and this is somewhat separate from uh, the ENT conversation. But, you know, Stanley, you and your brother and your sister, um, it's just kind of crazy. Uh, the three of you guys are all doctors. And the fact that uh, from one household um, came three MDs in, in my generation um, is incredible. You know, I, I just kind of, if you don't mind, just we're talking about perseverance still, and it's kind of off the subject of, of the anti conversation, but be more today is not just about, you know, us looking at the accomplishments, but also looking at the journey. And, um, you know, I, I'm just curious in the last couple of minutes of this show, if you would just share you know, what it feels like being part of a family um, of immigrants, right, who came here and were able to uh, uh, not just produce one MD from a family, but three MDs, uh, what that experience was like for you and, and what kind of motivated you and your sister and your brother 
and even your parents, I think, to continue to be so great and continue to be so influential in this field uh, uh, of a profession, medical profession. I mean, it, it's funny that you mentioned that it, it really does go back to the parents. And, you know, what's interesting me now being you know, a parent and having three children uh, I start realizing some of the things and I have some, you know, more in-depth conversations with uh, my parents about what they did with us. And, uh, you know, we were always involved in activities. You know, I think sometimes keeping us into activities really kept us from some of the other things that we could have done. And, uh, you know, we talk about dance, you know, we were, we were dancing, you know, I, I, I was doing tap and jazz and, um, you know, at one point ballroom, um, you know, I played the violin, uh, you know, they got us into piano and, and you don't, you don't realize the trips, you know, my, my mother had to, to, you know, there's a lot of back and forth, um, that she had to really sacrifice her time and, and, and energy. Um, and then also conversations, you know, the conversations I'd have one-to-one, you know, with my dad or, or my brother and I being by his side and, you know, sometimes you don't, you don't realize the, the effort and the energy that it takes to be a parent and to be there and to be present. Uh, and sometimes they don't appreciate it too. And I can tell you that, you know, there were times where my brother and I may not have appreciated it. And now we look back and say, wow, you know, some of those things that, you know, he told us or he taught us were, were profound. Uh, and the time that, my, you know, my mother put in to us, you know, it, it, it really is a testament to their hard work. And so I try to, you know, I talk to you about social media presence and things like that. Sometimes I feel like I sacrifice my ability to be on social media because I want to put more time into the kids. And it's hard because sometimes you'll post something and you won't be on social media for another three, four days. And people are like, wait, <laughs> where do you go? And so that's kind of why lately I've kind of drifted away because I want to, I want to be able to, you know, focus on my kids and sometimes with work and kids and things like that, it, it really does uh, add up. But um, you know, I use them. I mean, they're, they've been my role models and, you know, both my, my, you know, all three of us, my sister, my, my brother and I, uh, whenever we have conversations, we look back on what they have done uh, and had done and continue to do. Um, and, you know, I think hard work, it's a team effort. It's not just the individual it, you need support, you know, there's going to be lows, and there's going to be highs. And, um, you know, I had a lot of support throughout my my lows, you know, and then I, you know, we had praise throughout our highs. So uh, I think it's, it's, it's always, uh, you know, it's, it's always a team team effort. And it doesn't always have to be the parents, sometimes it's the siblings. Uh, and sometimes it's people in your community coming together to help you. Um, but I think that that kind of is, is, is what contributed to the three of us being able to, to get to where we got to. Love it. I love it. Just share with them what, what professions your, your sister and brother in and your, and your parents. Yeah. So my, my, uh, my mother's a housewife. Um, you know, she did go to beauty school and she's a hairdresser. Um, but, uh, she spent most of her time, you know, with us at home. Uh, and my dad is a psychiatrist. Uh, my little sister is also a psychiatrist, uh, and then my brother is an orthopedic surgeon. Again, just really impressed by you guys, and you know, as a family who is uh, of Haitian descent, you know, it's just beautiful to see the progression, um, to see you guys thriving, and I feel like I'm a part of your family, so I'm proud of us. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, 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 like I said, you know, your mentorship, just you know, 
see being able to see people who you know look like you and are able to do you know what we have been able to do you don't realize how profound that impact is on those downstream and so you know i actually i know you you mentioned i think you were a senior when i was a freshman i just but the year before even as a, in high school i came up and i think you and cliff had a fusion uh dance performance that that you had at harvard and I, I took it as an opportunity. Okay, I could see Brown and then I can go up to Harvard. And just the way you carried yourself, it was, you know, and the, the whole group, you know, the fusion group, to me, I was like, wow, you know, and it really inspired me to go to Brown. And then just beyond when I got to Brown, you know, the dances that you included me on, you know, and just looking at, you know, how you really emphasize the details and the techniques. And so sometimes, you know, when, when, whether it be surgery or whether it be working with the kids, it's, it's a lot of times it's about detail. It's about perseverance and not giving up. And some of those skills that you taught me or that you, you know, continue to encourage in us, I now, you know, try to give that downstream. So, um, you know, I think it's important, you know, that you've had such a profound impact. Cliff and I talk about you all the time. So uh, keep on motivating, keep on doing what you're doing. And I'll try to do the same on my end. Oh, man, I appreciate that so much. You have no idea, Dr. Boyd, that that means that world to me. So thank you so much. And again, this has been a great episode. I appreciate your time, your effort. I know you're on spring break. It's time for family. And, you know, I got to give you kudos on the on the family tip. I, I know I'm on social media a lot, but I do think that, you know, it's all good to sometimes just say, you know what, social media, I'll see you in three days. You know, it's family time. So no, no shame in that game. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Continue to inspire your community. And thank you so much for being on episode 92 of this show. I appreciate you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's been, it's been folks, a pleasure. Yes, sir. And folks, don't forget the quote from today um, by Judge Katani Brown Jackson. I would tell them to persevere. Dr. Boyce said it simply, you know, he's been through so much. He's had uh, a legacy of people before him show him the way. Uh, he includes me in that legacy and I appreciate that. But it's really about persevering. And you heard his story. You heard his his tidbits and his help tips for everyone to go out there and just continue to keep their ENT life well, right? Your diet, your exercise, your sleep. Um, for those of you who are uh, trying just to be better in terms of those things and you are curious if you fall into that category of sleep apnea, go see somebody ASAP. It can lead to so many other things down the line. And like you said, let's continue to mask up or just keep them close to you as needed until we are all the way in the clear with this pandemic. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. As always, watch some bemorestay.com for my book, our swag store, the podcast, everything bemorestay related. And any questions from me, Dr. Voigt, email me directly at bemorestay, uh, Dr. Sean at bemorestay.com, or send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on everything bemorestay PT. We're out there. Follow us, subscribe. We love you guys so much. As I always say, have a good day, have a good night, have a great life, and continue to take your steps greatness to be the best version of you. We'll see you next week. Peace. with a thought, a vision, fueled by a why.
But what's your why? Why do you want to be more today than you were yesterday? You already know that you have to trust the process and just be persistent. You already know that next level results require next level effort, period. But why is today different than any other day? What's your why? How are you going to get to the next level? See, most of you want to make it to the promised land of success, but aren't willing to make the sacrifices. Let me be clear. Nobody said it was going to be easy. No handouts. No excuses. It's just you versus you. It's go time. Find your wife for the 5 a.m. wake-up call. Find your wife for the extra mile you have to do after the workout. Find your wife to face that fear. Take that test. Make that move. Come on, y'all. Your whole life has been a warm-up for this moment right here, today. Are you finally ready to play? You got to decide to stay always on the move. Less talk, more action. Just be better. Just be more. Be more today. You